right. Welcome to the Royale Political Wire. We are now in conjunction with, in partnership with, NextSTL, one of the finer online publications here in St. Louis. Tonight, uh, I'm the host, Stephen Smith. I don't know if the host, I'm more the board and operator here. But I'm the uh, owner of the Royale, and uh, well, you'll hear smarter people than myself talking soon. We have our host, Michael Allen, and host, local woman, Maureen Hanlon. M and M. Yes, a voter in this contest that we'll be talking about tonight. Yes. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, we have a very intense uh, Eighth Ward battle pitched in front of us. I'll let you guys take it from here. Right. We are facing a special election coming up on February 13th, day before Valentine's Day. Hopefully neither a massacre nor a shotgun wedding will come out of this. So... <laughs> this race is to to fill the seat of the one, we could maybe say the only, Steve Conway, the prior reigning alderman of the 8th Ward for nearly 30 years. If elected, is that a path you see for yourself? 30 years as the 8th Ward alderman? Or what do you envision? So first of all, I'm going to say hi. I'm Hello. Annie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right at you. Annie Maureen's Rice. not hi. much for small talk. <laughs> That's okay. Let's get right to it. Um, so, and the other thing I'm going to say, it is also Fat Tuesday. Um, so ah, a little less So high intense. turnout is predicted. Sure. Yeah. Get your donuts and your pancakes and come vote, please. Um, so, you know, 30 years, 30 years is a long time. Right. Um, and I think we're facing some interesting changes upcoming in the structure of the Board of Aldermen in the next few years um, that that may make it hard for anyone to hold on to a seat for as long as uh, as long as Steve did in that in that past election. So um, while I hope to continue in public service, um, you know, and I'm not I'm not planning for anything beyond this. Right. Uh, if I can be of service, then sure, I'll stay where I'm at. Um I'll go with that. <laughs> well, I, I've got another question coming in. You're, you're facing the Democratic nominee, mm-hmm. Paul Failer, and you and Paul have been the Democratic committee man and committee woman for the ward for a while. How long? I uh, we were both elected in August of 2016. Mm-hmm. So fairly new, both representing sort of right. young interest in politics yeah. and both going up for the nomination, which is something as a longtime voter and observer of St. Louis politics, the Democratic nominations for special elections often have been uncontested and, you know, the replacement candidate predictable, maybe even years in advance. There's like some heir apparent successor. Here we have a fairly sincere but staunch battle between two people who have only recently been anointed with any kind of uh, official status. And then after all the, the Central Committee's deliberations, you've decided to run mm-hmm. as an independent uh, Maybe tell us a little bit, I'm not a Democrat, what that means about your relationship to the Democratic Party, to the Central Committee. Um, how, do you think this is an unusual step to take, or um, are we going to see more of this because people are hungry to sort of, you know, argue about the future of the city with sure. passion and, and goodwill toward each other, we hope. Yeah, so um, I'm not the first person to run as an independent who identifies as a Democrat. Um in a special election situation, because there is not a primary election, in order for there to be a choice on the ballot in our heavily democratic city, someone has to be an independent um, 
because there's only one position for a Democrat to be out there. Um, there was talk of there of a Republican candidate going to file on this, and then that didn't end up happening. Um, so the choice is between the Democrat, uh, the Democratic committee woman, and the Democratic committee man. One is uh, as a D on the ballot, and one is an I. Um, and it really came down to, for me, um, a, a difference in a, approach um, of how we sought the nomination and then the result afterwards. So um, we often talk about, uh, as committee people, do we do we defer to each other uh, because these are our individual wards? Um, and if we do that, uh, it makes sense for the committee people um, to have a significant input uh, in their own ward as to who that nominee is. Um, in this situation, we were the representatives of our ward to the party, um, and so the decision fell to the rest of uh, the 54 members of the committee to do that. Um, so I, I presented what I thought was um, the most compelling case of a support in the ward. So we went and knocked on doors beforehand because I said that the voters are the most important thing um, here to help you understand where my ward is and, and what the ward is interested in doing. Um, and, uh, you know, it is... It is fair for people to have a, you know, a decision. Um, but I was told that it was disrespectful to have sought the input of the voters, and that doesn't seem like a democratic principle to me. Um, as well as being, uh, there were people who were deeply resentful of being told that um, that the voter input was meaningless. Was it a rule that we had to go and get the signatures? No, it was. It was. Um, it was my desire as someone who wants to represent this community to go and seek the community's support. Um, those are the people who I'm going to represent. Um, and so then after that vote, um, there there was significant outcry uh, to the point that someone even put up a billboard that said, you know, run any run on that. And, um, and I think in a city that is heavily democratic, we are one party, um, the kind of engagement that we're looking for involves having some competition on the ballot, having a choice on the ballot. Um, I hope to present my case that I'm the best choice, um, but that having that choice is, is significantly important. Right, and I, I grew up and have been around long enough to remember in 1997 when six ward alderwoman Merritt Clark dropped out of the Democratic primary for mayor and ran as an independent in the general and was assailed by a lot of mostly male Democrats as sort of a turncoat traitor. But her argument was it was an in insurmountable, acrimonious primary. She wouldn't have won. Mm -hmm. She had a better chance of making the case to the people. And that she was still a Democrat, just using an opportunity to maybe have a better shot at winning. Sure. Um, so maybe there's a, some tradition of strong women jumping out and... <laughs> And doing that, um, and there are two members of the board now, uh, Megan mm -hmm. Green in the 15th, who was elected as an independent in a, a special election, and Scott Ogilvie in the 24th, who was independent for the first term and then decided to become a Democrat. Right. So. so speaking of the establishment, what, can you talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, you were just speaking about deference to the, to the, to the way things have been done and maybe some discomfort with that. And so can you talk to us a little bit about your understanding of the tradition of aldermanic courtesy, your views on it, and if your views are that maybe some of it should be changed, I'm, I'm hypothesizing, how you plan to build relationships with other longstanding aldermen in sure. the face of that. Yeah. So I, I think um, one of the things that the, the most recent years have taught us here in the city is that our fates are intertwined, um, that when 
there are parts of the city that are suffering. We are all suffering. We all feel the consequences of that. Um, and then when things are going well, we feel that as well. Um, we are, there are 28 wards um, and we can often feel very fractioned um, into those separate wards. Um, and and I think that as we as we continue to move forward, we're starting we're starting to work off of more of a communal understanding um, of of the way that we do business within our own wards and how that affects the people around us. Um, and and I'm excited about that because um, my understanding of of a city of a, a community is that is that when something works for all of us um, or works for some of us, then then it should work for all of us. And if something is hurting some of us we should address that because because those effects come back to us as well. And so um, while, while an alderman is the closest person to the people who live in their individual wards, um, you're the one on the ground. You're the one who's getting the phone calls. Um, you're the one who's there when things are going well and when they're not. You have a lot of information there, but that doesn't mean that... Um, that I, I shouldn't be able to ask some questions about, about you know, what's the long-term effect of this? What, how does this affect the way that we do business in the other 27 wards? If, if you do this in your ward, then, you know, how, how, do we, how do we kind of work together in a, in a common city plan, in a common city vision for how we're going to go forward um, together? And I, I think um, a lot of folks, especially in the 8th ward, understand that as well, that, um, you know, talk about long-time aldermen, you know, the eighth ward has transformed um, in in the past couple of decades. We're in a position where a lot of things are going well. Um, we have concerns. There are things that we need to keep working on, and there are lessons that we've learned from the ways that have been done. Um, but that success, uh, general sort of well-being in the eighth, means that we have we have ideas of things that have worked that we can share. We have concerns that. Uh, of things that haven't gone well that we can also share with other parts of the city um, that haven't had the same sort of investment, haven't had the same sorts of successes we've had. Um, so that common sharing of of struggles and successes, I think, is really important. Um, and I think, as far as building relationships go, um, I I don't I don't hold political grudges. I, I, there's way too much work to get done to to can to say, well, this person didn't do this, so I'm not going to work with them on this. Um, you know, we we have differences of opinion, and those things are healthy. That's that's part of discourse, right? Is um, is to have have yeses and nos on different votes, and and to work through those things together. Um, and so, relationship building is something uh, that I'm passionate about, and I and I hope to be able to to do that from day one to walk in there and say, hey, I'm not, you know, I'm not here to just tear things up and and throw things around, but. Um, I want to learn from the folks who have been there um, because there's a lot of knowledge there that, you know, coming in as a brand new alderman, you're not going to know. Um, so those relationships are important. Um, but then also hopefully seeking out best practices from other cities, bringing those things in and, and working with people who are trying to move in fresh directions as well. Right. So that, those are a lot of great um, sort of hopes and aspirations. And, and you're looking wide and talking about best practices and interrelations. But I guess I'm I'm kind of curious how this race is going to be won. Um, you know, you're you're both running for the seat held by an office, uh, an alderman who used to, you know, he had no Facebook profile and would shout out his cell phone number at public meetings. He was a, very much a sort of a direct contact, 24 hours, very hyper local kind of figure. Mm -hmm. um, 
are you knocking doors using social media? How effective are those methods? Which is the method that's going to win this race? Sure. Uh, you seem to have a very heavy social media presence and, and your opponent, not as much. And I wonder if that's an indication in, you know, maybe just disdain for those platforms or some philosophy on which is more effective at reaching the voters who are now voting in a very different war than it was the last time, even when Conway ran. Sure. I mean, I think it is reaching people where they are. Um, so there, there are places that um, knocking on doors is the best way uh, to reach people because you're face to face with them in in their home, right? Um, the nice part about campaigning in cold weather is that people tend to invite you inside to warm up, um, so you actually get to to have these conversations. Um, that you know says, hey, come in and warm up. Your your nose looks frozen. Let's uh, let's have a longer conversation, um, and less about just you know you're letting all my AC out. Get off my porch, um, but. But so knocking on doors, I mean, is huge. We are, we have, um, we've been canvassing from the very beginning. Um, I've knocked hundreds of doors myself and we've had great conversations there. You find out what people really care about when you're in their home. Um, but also there are people who we can't get to. We have apartment buildings that, um, you know, there are doors that are closed. We have people who are moving in and out. We have new renters. We have, we have things like that. And, and so then you have mail that reaches those folks, right? That's, um, you know, someone said, you know, why are you sending me all these recycling materials? And, and then someone else said, well, you must not ever have a, have a fire in your backyard because these things are great for kindling. Right. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that they read them first because uh, oh. otherwise we're wasting a whole lot of time. But, but there are some folks who wouldn't know that there was an election if we didn't reach them through traditional methods. Right. right? Um, social media is important, but it can become a bubble um, that you're only talking to people who only think like you conversations and actual productive discourse is difficult on social media it has a, a, the ability to spark really nasty things really quickly sometimes things can be really great um but it takes it takes a whole lot of effort to make those things happen um and in a short compact period of time it's hard to do all of those things but we're trying to do as many of those things as possible we've got people phone banking as well um and so it's it's contact with people that it like contact wins races getting getting people to get to know me get to know what i'm about what i'm interested in doing um and finding out what's important to them so that so that we're not just you know i can have all the great ideas in the world but if nobody agrees with me well then what's the point right so so um i guess kind of speaking of bubbles and divisive issues you practice as an immigration lawyer which I would imagine is a fairly intense profession to be in in 2018 this year of our lord so uh talk to us a little bit about that I mean how has it been um I would say from my brief experience that something about being really enmeshed in the legal details of things is that it can really influence what you think is good policy in terms of supporting immigrants or like just tell us about kind of your day-to-day in that regards because that's yeah. I would imagine a pretty heavy job at times. Yeah. Um, there, uh, my office the day after the election was uh, a pretty rough place to be. Um, yeah. My One of my bosses, uh, Javad Kazali, actually, so both of the Kazali and the Worsh that I work for, both of them live in the Shaw neighborhood, so we're, we're very eighth ward heavy over there. Um, Disclaimer, they were my attorneys when I was... Facing la, la, la. the Ferguson Municipal Court. <laughs> there you go. So, um, so they did. They, That's a good. That's a good legal yeah, team, yeah. Michael. Yeah. Only they, the um, finest. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not see the interior of a jail cell. Oh. That's uh, that it's means more than I can say for many people. So, <laughs> <laughs> means hopefully we did good work for you. So, um, 
we so Javad is um, an Iranian American immigrant, um, and and so to for him he was dealing with you know this immediately anti Middle Eastern sentiment um, that I mean has been around since nine eleven um, but intensified after the election. And we our clients are from all over the place. We don't we don't have a particular area that we focus on the most. Um, but I'm also on the board of the Migrant Immigrant Community Action Project, the MICA project here in in South City, and we. The MICA board, you know, the, the MICA project works um, heavily with Hispanic immigrants, a lot of undocumented population. And so we have this sort of balance between, you know, the families and, um, you know, college graduates, uh, people who are out there working, have international jobs sort of clientele. Um, some of some of the folks I work with at the firm are those folks. And then we have uh, the, the MICA project clients who are um, the lower income um, MICA does low bono uh, immigration legal representation. So um, folks that can't pay full services for a private attorney. Um, and so you've got this broad swath of people who are present here in St. Louis, right? We have everything from refugees um, from all corners of the world uh, to professional people coming in and working at our, our large corporations, people sponsored on business visas. And um, the it is, it is an intense time because this is constantly in the news. This is... Um, and and we're facing increased enforcement actions, right? Um, I think there were there were rumors of confirmed mm -hmm. stories of um, ICE agents knocking on doors in South City in this last week um, and asking people about their immigration status. And so you have a very fearful population. Even the folks who have legal status, um, there are lots of ways to get caught up in immigration uh, enforcement actions and. There, I think that there. This is something that I'm very excited to bring to the board. Um, is is this perspective of understanding um, what immigrants' legal needs are, and also what sorts of things that we could be doing to both help and not hurt, right? So, so I think that there are policies that we can be working on at the board that are sh are a little bit shy of calling ourselves a sanctuary city because that makes us a target for Jefferson City and they've already, there's a bill out there that was passed that says we're not allowed to call ourselves a sanctuary city. Um, but there are things that we can do as far as enforcement that hoping to work with the public safety director to say, you know, how do we keep these members of our community safe? Um, because we value them as community members. But then also, whatever other legislation is coming through the board, if there's, I can spot for issues that may affect an immigrant population that somebody else who hasn't worked with that population won't see, right? Say, well, well, this could have a negative effect that you didn't foresee. Can we talk about that? Is Can we adjust this in that sort of way? So um, working to, I mean, immigrants are entrepreneurs at, at um, multiple times what, uh, not, what U.S. born um, citizens are we've got to empower those folks. It's, it's the, one of the ways that we grow. Um, so how do we, how do we work with that population that's really important to us here? Yeah. And I think sometimes <coughs> overlooked in the political mix because there right. aren't, you know, no, no recent immigrants have held local office. Right. Immigrants are often missing from democratic committee structure or different traditional ways of engaging right. and, and participating. But because you have to be a citizen to vote. So right. you've got to get all the way through that right. process that can take decades for right. folks. So, right. yeah. And even people who are right. still often overlooked. Um, right. But they're here. And right. they've swallowed, you know, population of South St. Louis has probably <laughs> could be a lot lower and yeah. vacancy a lot higher without mm -hmm. the last 20 years. Well, South Grand Redevelopment, you know, mm -hmm. came from refugee populations that, that came in that invested in this um, in this community and, and are a big part of why we are where we are today. Right. All over. You know, I'm in Dutch yeah. Town, so it's yeah, like absolutely. Marquette Park without the Somali families playing soccer on the weekends. Right. Would be pretty lonely. Yeah. <laughs> um, something things people overlook. But I, I guess I 
to follow up to all that, it's like you have some very clear passions. Um, I, I could get you in some gotcha things on like, what do you think about the marijuana bill? But instead, I kind of want to like ask something a lot more practical that and expansive that gives maybe gives you a chance to daydream. If you do win the election, one of the things you'll get to do is serve on committees of the board. And mm-hmm. a lot, I think we're learning that a lot of the real action, because there aren't, you know, 16 progressive votes to defeat something on the floor, mm-hmm. a lot of things are happening in committee and that's where things are happening. I don't know if the president will put you on the committees you want, but have you given thought to which committees you'd like to serve on and why, where, where, where you might fit in? Yeah. Um, honestly, I think, I don't know. I have, I have a lot of areas of interest, mm-hmm. um, you know, and obviously it's up to the, the president to decide which committees we do serve on. But um, you do get to request. and Yeah. This, yeah. Theoretically, the president honors, you know, a new member's request. That would, <laughs> I mean, that would be great. Um, you know, it's, it's not a question that I've thought a whole, mm-hmm. a whole lot about. Do you want um, to be on Ways and Means? There's an open spot. There is an open <laughs> spot on Ways and Means. Um, that's, uh, those are big shoes to fill. So um, that's, um, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know. I, I'm up for the challenge, uh-huh. right? Ways and Means is important. And being able to present the budget to, to transparency levels that, um, that, folks who were really trying to dive in didn't feel like they were getting in these in the last several years um i'd welcome that challenge mm-hmm. um, but as far as you know i'm i'm interested in public safety um i'm interested in um the in the, the legislative committee that's working on you know line drawing and things when we mm-hmm. when we talk about um, redistricting and all of that um they're you know housing and huds and you know they're Anyway, I, I I feel like I could I could do well in any of these committees. Um, I'm up for the challenge. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so you won't take offense, no matter where you get. You know, assigned. I don't. I don't think so because it, it takes everybody. Um, and I don't think that that my skills are so honed in into one specific area that I that I wouldn't be able to um, work with the material that's there and and be good at that job. Mm-hmm. So. Do you view yourself as part of a voting block? That's interesting. Um. I mean, I hadn't thought of that until he just said that, but then. Yeah, so there's a, um, I mean, I know that there's sort of the progressive caucus that um, I I don't know a whole lot about that, but I know that there were, there were meetings after the most recent round of elections um, that, that folks were getting together and trying to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I I think I would probably identify myself a lot with those folks, Um, but they're, you know, the way, the ways that people work together fluctuate, right? Mm. Um, And. As far as a block, I'm not sure. Um, there are a lot of folks whose whose perspectives I identify with, whose values we share. Um, but I don't. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting question. I haven't, I hadn't really thought about it like that yet either. That's a segue to a question mm-hmm. I think we have to ask, which is speaking of people whose values you may share. Um, the letter went out from Paul Failer saying that you were taking a lot of money from one donor. Uh, it was a dark money or some insinuation. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not trying uh, to say it was. Sure. The phrase dark money was not used, but I don't know. It wasn't a it very is, muddy it letter as, no, mu- it, as those no. letters go. So, um, but who is this person? The, the What I've looked into, he he seems like kind of like a lamb of a man, like not like some sure. nefarious so behind-the-scenes player. Yeah, yeah. my uh, my MEC reports are out there. Um, so uh, it's is very well known that um, I... 
I did take a uh, a donation from Dave Boger. Um, Mm-hmm. He's on my MEC reports. Um, he's retired. Uh, he worked in some small-scale home remodeling projects. Oh, okay. He um, doesn't own a chess hall of fame or... <laughs> no, he is not Rex Singfeld. No. Some um, kind of Breitbart affiliation right. or what uh, are we going No, none of that. Um, and, um, you know, Dave and, Dave and his wife have lived in the Shaw neighborhood uh, for a long time now and have been very invested neighbors there. Um you know, his, his wife is a pastor to church in the area as well. Um, they are very focused on racial equity, um, on uh, in an inclusive community. They were a part of um, working to make their block safer when they had some problems. And, and he has been an active member of the community. You probably have seen him on the corner of Shaw and Clem holding a Black Lives Matter sign. And that's the, the most easily recognizable place that you've seen Dave Boger. So, um, you know, I, I understand uh, that progressives have, we have some hangups when it comes to, to money, right? Um, that, uh, especially here in the state of Missouri, where we're dealing with a governor that um, is swarmed in dark money and things like that. But that, that's not this, right? Um, and uh, the, you know, there this isn't a bought influence. This isn't anything about that. Um, Dave is one of the sweetest human beings that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he uses the limited means that he has uh, to support progressive candidates that he believes in that he thinks are going to make the community a better place. Um, and, and I'm proud to have that and the support of 80 some other eighth ward residents who have also donated to my campaign and women candidates have a hard time raising money. We've seen, you can go back and look at MEC reports for people who um, have supported, you know, women state reps versus male state reps and the significant drop off in what they donate to women versus to men. Right. So, so we've got, you know, funding disparities that come in there as well. Um, So I'm, I'm excited to have somebody who's, who believes in me that much, who believes in, in kind of the vision that we have going forward. Um, I'm excited about that. And I, I don't I don't think that I need to apologize for that. So, I mean, kind of speak, I guess, speaking about bot influence, I mean, not with um, Mr. Bogar specifically, but just kind of in the world of who your supporters are, who are your endorsers are. I mean, talk to us a little bit about, like, what do you do when you do disagree with people who have been your backers? Like, what have you done in the past or what, is there someone who's backing you right now where you would say like, yeah, I disagree with them on some things. Like what, how do you handle that? Sure. So, um, you know, I, no one has said to me, I'm only endorsing you if you forever agree with me. Right. I mean, I think that, that we know that there, there's diversity of opinion, even amongst those folks. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't have a problem having the hard conversation of saying, listen, tell me, tell me why this is important to you. I want to understand your perspective. We may disagree at the end of it, but I want to have that conversation. Um, so, so I, um, I will, we can go back to the, the committee race. Um, I was not endorsed by the eighth ward independent Democrats, um, when I ran for the, for the committee woman's seat, um, but immediately joined the organization because it, it was the it was the um, important thing to do to bring people into an organization um, to start trying to work to um, you know bring in folks who who weren't historically in that um, to empower that organization um, and so there were people in there who hadn't supported me and we worked together just fine um, you work to build those relationships I walk into a room I say hi to everyone um, I shake everyone's hand and and we get the work done right it's about the work at the end of the day. Um, and, and I think as long as we remain um, kind and understanding when we're walking into these things, then, then I think that um, that work can still get done. So. 
Just switching it up, we we have a very short period left uh, to yes. wrap up. But um, <laughs> something I wanted to touch on um, the issue of tax abatements. Um, the Eighth Ward has been kind of one of the South Side epicenters of abatement, and those abatements have largely been accrued by um, conversions of multifamily housing to single-family homes, sometimes to other projects that preserve multifamily buildings. But the net results of development have been identified in reports like Public Policy Research Center, I think a few two years ago, showed that uh, Section 8 vouchers, as a result of the loss of these units, went down like 400% in the Shaw neighborhood mm -hmm. between 2000 and 2014. Mm -hmm. And if Section 8's going down, that means the people coming in are not relying on government assistance. They're wealthier. They're more mm -hmm. affluent. They might not be much more affluent, but in a city like St. Louis, it's still probably a very significant different kind of a person sure. with different kind of wealth and access. Sure. Should the eighth ward be drawing any kind of a line on these incentives because they were still flying through sure. up to the end of Conway's tenure. Sure. Right. Um, there's intense sort of citywide discussion on what we should be doing, but um, it didn't seem to lead to the eighth ward alderman changing his tune. Sure. Um, will it lead to that if you're the older person sure. so um and, or should it is another question because i think the other issue is a lot mm -hmm. of aldermen's hands get tied because yeah. if one changes and the other 27 don't sure well um so I will say one of the, one of the conversations that I'm having with with people at the doors is that a lot of folks intentionally move to an area like the eighth ward because they value the diversity that exists there um and one of the ways that these that tax abatements have backfired, right, is is in that reduction of of rental units, in that reduction of multifamily homes, um, and then you're you're dropping your population density and you're dropping your diversity as well. Um, and so my my path forward is not to say a flat no, we're never going to do this, but it's not a flat yes either, right? It is a let's talk about your project. Tell me about your project. Tell me about this property. Um, why why do you think that it is that you need a tax abatement to make this go forward? If you have a building that's just a shell and there's nothing on the inside and it won't happen but for this tax abatement, okay, then let's consider that. Maybe we can look at five years. We're not going to blanket do 10 years on anything anymore. Um, but it's it's a piece-by-piece -piece approach because what we understand is that these things have effects, right? Um, they have an effect on the rest of the block when, you know, um, appraisals of property go up, um, it's good for your property values, but then you also have to pay more taxes on that. And you, when you get that new appraisal, you think, oh, wow, okay. So, you know, here's, here's this. And then are we pricing people out of even their home ownership at that point? We have people on fixed incomes. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of elderly folks in the eighth ward. Um, and so we can look at, you know, does your home have a bedroom on the first level? Do you have a bathroom on the first level? Can an, a, a family who's been there for 40 years, are they able to stay? You know, maybe we could look at a tax abatement for making sure that there's a, a bathroom in on that first floor. Um, or, you know, how is, is this home workable for a long term for someone who's been there for a long time, right? Um, but those are, those are individual decisions um, because I, I think that while it... It got Shaw to where, you know, it got Shaw and the rest of the Eighth Ward to where it is. Um, we've also seen some of the negative effects of that. And and I'm not, I'm not afraid to make those hard decisions and say, 
you know, if you're coming in and you have the money to do this project, then let's go ahead and pay full property tax on that because we're affecting our public schools. You know, we're affecting, you know, our public resources if we're keeping that lower. Um, so just let's let's look at the effects of this and evaluate is this where we really want to go as a community. And the community keeps saying we like the diversity. We like this range of people that we have here. So our policy has to follow that. Can I quickly follow sure. up and ask, do you think this decision should be made at the, the granular level of the aldermen? Mm. Or hmm. some have advocated like Team TIFF for citywide standards that would sure. be set by sure. some someone in city government so the aldermen wouldn't be out there having to think through these things. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really interesting proposal. I think that having, I mean, this kind of goes back to the citywide plan, right? If, if we have a focus on on what our what our goals are, what our you know our mission is, then it, it helps to have something to grade it against, right? Um, and there are always going to be exceptions to rules and things like that. Mm-hmm. But if you and if you're really working to equity, um, then then maybe that is the best way to go forward. So I will say I haven't looked into their specific proposal, mm-hmm. um, so I'm not going to say you know for sure yes or for no right. for sure no on that. And um, it's not a, it's not yeah. like a specific ordinance proposal sure. or anything like that. Sure. But, uh, no, but I mean I think having standards is important because we don't want to say no tax abatements ever again for anyone because there are parts of the city that could really benefit from that sort of tax um, incentive, um, but we have to we have to be conscious of the way that we're using it. Mm-hmm. I always like the lawyer because they always throw in the phrase, there's always exceptions to rules, which uh-huh. is, as far as I can tell, the main point of being a lawyer. But, okay, this we're going to do a previously... <laughs> the nature of the law. You know, you have a rule, but rules are meant to have very detailed and complicated exceptions. I think that's the, that's the rule. Okay, we're okay, going to do, do a previously undiscussed and unplanned lightning round right now. <gasps> oh, okay, whoa. ready? Uh, okay, well. You have to answer only... No, so I'm going to say top three problems that you think are facing the Shaw neighborhood. You can use up to five words. Go. Just so we're, we're just on the Shaw neighborhood or it's a lot the more than five words. No, no, no. Okay. okay. I mean, like, so the eighth word. Eighth word. Okay. Yeah. Oh, um, I said Shaw neighborhood and I'm a Southwest Garden. Yeah. Resident. I was going to say, don't, don't keep yourself okay, out of this Okay. So word. problem number one is the inferiority complex that's ingrained within me. Okay. Top three problems facing the eighth ward. Go. <laughs> okay. Um, so people are really concerned with crime right now. Um, crime. So crime. Um, uh, hmm. Fresh ideas, um, engagement in the community. Um, uh, schools, I think. And, man, this is hard to not elaborate on these things, uh, just to throw them out there. Um, the goal of the lightning round. Yeah. Uh, man, I'm a bad, I'm an attorney okay. on this. Like, I want to talk about things. So Crime, crime. fresh yeah. ideas, schools. All right, lightning question. When you hear the... I, idea that the airport should be leased to a private company do you a get really excited b think we should spend some more time thinking about that or c think that's completely insane i'm i'm gonna go with c that that's completely <laughs> oh, okay. insane um i uh Ooh. All right, lightning struck. Dang no, no. Okay. See? Okay. Okay. Political. Give us a, a political and a non-political hero. One of each. Oh, okay. Um, a political hero. Um, man, I... Oh, lightning round. I can't talk. Uh, uh, okay. I'm going to have one sentence of elaboration because... 
I'm a sucker. Because so, you're a budding lawyer. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to go. She's fresh in my mind right now. Um, Judy Baker. Do you guys know Judy Baker? She, uh, she ran for treasurer in the state. Um, she is a determined, hardworking woman who is able to have hard conversations across diverse groups of people um, with a smile on her face. Um, and she she is uh, inspirational to me as a woman uh, in politics. Okay. Okay, non-political um, hero. Non-political hero. Um, it's okay to say a fictional character. <laughs> um, Rest in peace, Ursula Le Guin. We're oh. all in mourning. <laughs> um Maybe we're not all in mourning. I'm in mourning. I'm in mourning. Yeah. <laughs> in mourning. Okay, fictional yeah. mourning. Um, oh, um, so. Hmm. I, there's just so many people just to pick. Um, okay, is it, it like, oh, so like Malala Yousafzai. We'll go with um, Malala, right? Um you're facing incredible odds. You literally should have died um, and working for women and girls in education uh, across the world and in a way that is beautiful and cooperative and communal and she brings people together and it's, um, that's the, that's a great spirit uh, to have. Wonderful. Um, more, more mundane maybe. Um, if, if I were to ask you to name one thing that Steve Conway did that you agreed with, what would that be? Sure. Um, and then one thing you disagree with. Okay. Just one. <laughs> um, are you sure you didn't play in this round? Because it sure seems like you play in this round. Um, we, so we live our lives in dangerously synced heads. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning so much about you guys right now. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> one thing, uh, one thing I think he did really well uh, is protecting Tower Grove Park. Um, that is something that uh, the Eighth Ward borders Tower Grove Park on three sides, um, and as a public-private partnership, um, the Eighth Ward has is a significant uh, impact on how that works. And Steve did a great job at the uh, on the Ways and Means Committee, making sure um, that they were funded and um, some of those ward capital funds uh, to work on things in Tower Grove Park. Um, so. Uh, I think that was great. Uh, one of the things I disagree with, um, uh, I would say accessibility, right? Uh, it was, um, it's hard. It was hard to get a hold of Steve. Um, it was hard to, um, to have, uh, longer conversations, um, you know, and, and I think some of those difficult conversations that, that could have been had that should have been had um, were a lot more difficult than they needed to be to make that happen. Um, and as, as the most on the ground uh, representative of your people, you've, you've got to be there, um, you know, after the meeting, sticking around, uh, making sure that, um, that people know that they can talk to you about things. Um, and even if you end up still disagreeing, you're open to that conversation. So. All right. You've survived our lightning round. I think so. <laughs> all right. Wow. All the bolts struck and you are still walking. Woo. Yes. I wasn't sure where things were going there towards the end. Uh, these guys are very, very... Imaginative. Yes. I think. Anyway, but so I would... Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Annie, for Thanks. coming down. Thanks so much for having Royal me. Royal Political yeah. Wire in partnership <laughs> with 
Next STL. Definitely. And, Steve, and Tinder. Steve, <laughs> are <laughs> two sponsors. Are, are, I'm just kidding. Are we having a forum here at the Royale yes. where eighth board voters can mm. see oh, the yeah. lightning round between Paul and Annie rather than That's the right. M&M team so, teasing yeah. the candidate? So, yes. Well, next week we have uh, Paul will be sitting in the hot seats where Annie is right now. Uh, next Wednesday night around 8-ish, we will be doing this live stream. We'll be throwing this up on podcast soon. And then the week after that, what is it? The seventh. Yes, the seventh yep. on a Wednesday at I think eight o'clock again, right? But we're gonna do that downstairs in the bar, rowdy style. Mm-hmm. I will be the sergeant at arms, so mm-hmm. you know, behave. But uh, Michael and Maureen here will be moderating that uh, debate, mm-hmm. and uh, they're always fun here at the Royale. If you've ever been to one, uh, we've done them for many many of the neighborhood wards, and they. Usually are pretty damned entertaining. Right. And will there be a special on the eighth ward cocktail? Uh, <laughs> yeah, a special. I'll let you buy it. You All know, right, full <laughs> awesome. Full wow. price. So no, 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 no abatement. No abatements. We're online. not. No abatements. <laughs> Can cocktails. I do a, a quick plug? We've yeah. got sure. a um, on Sunday morning or Sunday at noon over at uh, the Kitchen House uh, Coffee Shop. Uh, we're doing a little um, meet and greet there as well. If folks want to stop by to that, um, I know that the the three a Tower Grove East business. It is a Tower Grove East business. One of the least um, remembered parts. <laughs> <laughs> Below even my poor Southwest Garden. Oh, oh I, I lived in the thirty five hundred block of Connecticut for. Three years. Wow. So Only I was, you would block. start. I was your address. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Sorry, so, um, <laughs> so, we, so we have that. Um, and then we're um, Nayral, Missouri is coming out. We're, we're doing a big event Saturday, Sunday afternoon. Um, each of the, the three neighborhoods are trying to put together another neighborhood mm-hmm. forum. Um, we have don't have that announced. So I know folks are saying, hey, how do we get in touch with you? How do we come out and ask questions? So mm-hmm. just want to say we're, we're trying to get as many events on the on the schedule as possible in a very short window of time. Yes. So 20 days until the election. And uh, yeah. Wow. Thanks right. so and you have a website? I do. Uh, it's AnnieRice4STL.com. Um, if you just Google Annie Rice, it will still pull up the old committee page and there will be links on there to direct to the new one um but uh they're different platforms and sort of like syncing them is a little bit difficult but uh annie rice for sdl.com great thanks all right well thank you so much and be sure to tune in uh subscribe to our podcast rate it and all that good stuff and uh i guess we will see you 